At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Everywhere we turn, someone is promising to finally give us the satisfaction and happiness we long for. Yet from advertisements to political campaigns, these promises so often remain unfulfilled. We know God makes promises too, but do you ever wonder if He'll actually keep them? Join us for our Christmas series, Fulfilled, as we discover how Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises to us and how the promises He kept then fulfill our deepest longings now. So are you guys ready for Christmas? Yeah? Did anyone, who, who woke up at 4 a.m.? Do we have any 4 a.m.? Oh, we do. We, we do have some. What about 5 a.m.? 6 a.m.? Okay. My kids slept until 7 a.m. That was wonderful. Wow, it was a beautiful thing. I somehow ended up on the couch, and all the kids were in the bed, and I was the one that was the first one eliminated from our California king. So here I am this morning. So real quick, if Mary had baby Jesus, and baby Jesus was the Lamb of God, this morning did Mary have a little lamb? Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm trying to get you guys awake. I didn't know. So again, it's Christmas and hopefully everything has been set. The tree is up, decorated, presents are under the tree. We probably have people here that have something cooking that is simmering and marinating to be ready for Christmas lunch or dinner. And, And hopefully... Things are already set. If anyone has to still do their Christmas shopping, come find me after and we'll have a conversation because you're late, all right? But, but really when it comes down to it, most of you are probably hoping, hey, I know Winston can be long-winded. My prayer is that today there is a minimalist personality in the sermon. So I will try to be concise, all right? But I am just so happy that we get to be here on a Sunday morning that does not happen often. I heard that the next Christmas that lands, or Sunday that lands on Christmas Day is 11 years from now. There's just something different about being here on this day, celebrating that our Savior, is born and doing it together and worshiping together. So I'm just really happy to be here with you guys this morning. It leads me to wonder, are we ready for Jesus? Are we ready to consider and ask if we are ready for for our King? And so really the point of this message, the point of this morning is let's get ready to receive King Jesus. Let's get ready to receive him. And the question as well is how do we receive him? And we're going to be jumping into Matthew chapter 3 today. And we're going to be talking through how we receive Jesus and how to get ready to receive Jesus in two specific ways. And the first one, I just want to jump into it real quick, is we have to listen to God's message. How do we receive Jesus? It starts with listening. It starts with uh, taking time to really be attentive. And so we see in Matthew chapter 3, specifically verse 1 through 3, this is what it talks about, about listening 
to God's message. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So we've been talking a lot about Christ and his birth story and magi and Herod and angels and dreams. And now we're actually going to push forward and we're going to talk about a guy by the name of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was an incredible person, one of my favorite biblical figures. There's just something about John the Baptist that is, that is so unique compared to other biblical figures. And so he shows up on the scene and he came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and to surrounding regions. And unlike the other gospel accounts that focus on the baptism ministry of John, Matthew focuses on the preaching ministry of John. It focuses on this preaching that, if you can say it like it is, John is a fiery fellow. He, he's a straight shooter. He, he's a guy that's raw, not afraid to speak truth. He called sin for what it was. And he had no qualms even about challenging some of the most powerful people in that region about their lives and the sins that they were walking with. And he called people to repent. Here's a guy who walked in complete alignment with the mission and calling that he'd been given for ministry. And we see more specifically in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, that John the Baptist, he was predicted Specifically, we find out in the biblical story with Matthew that, that in Isaiah 40, verse 3, it shows that John's ministry, he would be the one who would prepare the way for Jesus. You hear phrases like, he would be the forerunner. He'll be the one who sets the stage. Isaiah says that he's the one that, that's crying in the wilderness. He's the one preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And, and it's all about getting people ready to receive King Jesus. He was there to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so just as Isaiah was speaking from God, pointing to John, now John is speaking, pointing man to their Messiah. He, he's getting people in a place that they understand that the Savior's here. And, and so people were very intrigued and they were very uh, engaged with John and it made them wonder. In 2016, my wife and I, we were actually caught in a tornado. And I've talked about this a couple times. We've been caught in multiple tornadoes. And this was probably 
the worst one we were caught in. And we lived in a nice little ranch, a slab. We had no basement. And there was a, a tornado that went straight through the town, destroyed over 150 homes. And, and so I was thinking about that this week. And, and really when a tornado, when there's funnel clouds or bad weather, uh, you watch the news, it, it gives you an update of what's heading your way. You have alerts on your phone. You go look outside. You, you can most of the time tell the sky turns gray or it gets quiet or you see people driving really fast. Like, okay, something's going on here. And, and so I want us to think about this for a second. What if Amanda and I ignored the signs? What if we ignored the warnings? What if we just went outside and we didn't notice how the weather was starting to change, the wind was picking up, it was starting to rain? What would have happened if we just went ahead and just ignored it altogether? And so I think about the story of John, and if we're going to be ready to receive Jesus... We have to listen to his message. You got to listen to his word. The message is as simple and profound as John's sermon Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so Jesus, he carried the same sermon as he came on the scene because he went ahead and shared that the kingdom of God is at hand, the time is fulfilled. So he built off of that message. John prepared him, but, John, but Jesus built off of it to get people ready for what he was going to share. And so again, it comes back to that question, are you ready for Jesus? Are you ready to receive the message that he has which that message is humble yourself in repentance. Humble yourself in repentance. Let's look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 4 through 6. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, and they were confessing their sins. So I need to give you a little background, right? We have to have proper context, proper hermeneutics for, for what's going on here. So we have John, and he's, he's somewhat of a spectacle. Everyone is going out, and, and, they're, and they're listening to him. They are, they are just very attentive to what he has to share. He, he's kind of the talk of the town, I guess you would say. But the thing is that the nation of Israel, they had not had a prophet for 400 years. There was this time frame between the Old Testament and when John comes on the scene where God was silent with sending prophets to share. So for for literally 400 years, they had not had someone to come share a direct message from God. You think about our nation. How old is America, right? We have any mathematicians? Know the math? Yes. Okay, so we're, 
We're almost, what, 250 years? So here we are. Imagine 400 years. Older than the United States. That's how long it was that there was, there was a prophet sharing a message from the Lord. And then his, his dress code was a little different, right? <laughs> so he didn't come with his, with his suit and tie. He, he didn't come with his nice name brand shoes. He, he came wearing garments of camel's hair and a leather belt. And he wasn't eating the Texas Roadhouse uh, rolls with cinnamon butter. He was having locusts with wild honey. His dress actually was engaging in itself. Because they're used to these uh, priests who were very lavish with how they looked. They were from head to toe with purpose dressed a very specific way they looked the part he didn't look the part he he didn't he didn't seem or appear to be this this great priest of israel but let alone his dress his apparel his style he wasn't in the temple he was in the wilderness it was attracting people and so john dressed and lived a certain way and it became again a spectacle to those who, who came out to hear him. He embodied the appearance of a prophet of Israel, and he looked a lot like Elijah. And, and we know in the Old Testament scriptures that Elijah was supposed to come before the Christ. In fact, the final prophetic book of the Old Testament concluded this promise it said, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. That was the last word Israel had from God through a prophet. Elijah's coming. He's going to set the way. And so you can imagine why the people of Israel were so interested in this guy who, who appeared more homeless. He, he appeared less, you know, put together aesthetically. But yet he was proclaiming a message and an expectation. And, and so one thing I love about John is the humility of John. John, everything was pointing to Jesus. In a world where people want to be under the lights and people want to be highlighted, what he was doing what was, was trying to point away from himself and say, no, this one, this one is coming. I, I must even decrease, so, so he must increase. But when he was preaching this message, there was a response that was needed. And, and what he needed and what he desired is in verse 6, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan and they were confessing their sins. You know, what they were doing first is there was confession. And confession is a very important thing to our faith because it means that we are humbling ourselves. We're owning up. Does anyone have someone in their life who struggles to own up? 
don't look to your right or left. <laughs> it's Christmas, okay? Look straight at me. <laughs> uh, Amanda, look at someone else, my wife. <laughs> yeah, look at the kids. <laughs> and, and so with confession, it's owning up. It's humbling yourself, saying, I, I have sinned. I have done wrong. I've missed that mark. And so what happened with the ministry of John when he's saying, repent, is there is a confession that happens for sin and an acknowledgement before God. And that person who confesses is agreeing with God about their sin. But that wasn't it. After that confession, after that repentance, there's an acknowledgement of that fact publicly. Often in reference to previous bad behavior, you know, we, had, we admit sin, but in this case, what he was challenging people to do was not just confess and repent. He was, he was calling them to be baptized. And so people, they were coming forward and they were showing through the action of baptism the intent of, of a heart change. And so when they were confessing their sins in repentance, they were then immersed in the water as a symbolic way of depicting cleansing and being washed of their sin. And so their repentance was also visually seen by many. They were seen and witnessing people being brought up again out of that water in, in repentance. And so I think about heart change. And this is something in church that you know, only God knows and sees the thoughts and the minds, the motives of people. We don't. But what we do see, what we, what we can watch, is people's lives. And, and I don't know about you guys, but I have been at a place in my faith where I've declared with my words, but my lifestyle did not align. Have you guys ever been there before? That I said, oh, I believe, and, and I sang the songs, you know, king of my heart, and, and I did those things, but my lifestyle, the way I walked, the way I talked, the way I thought, was not in agreement. Have you guys ever been in that place yourself? Or maybe you've, you've been around people and they've been like, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, but their lifestyle is very different than what Christ calls us to live and how he calls us to live. You know, we're sinful people. We've all been there in some degree. We'd be lying if we said we haven't. And, and so I, I think about us as Christians, one thing, it's one thing to, to repent and confess, but you see a genuine repentance, a genuine confession by outward change. That's the sign, that's the fruit, that's the symbol that, man, I think they really meant it. I think they really, at this juncture of their faith, I think they really have had heart change. 
you know, it's Christmas, so let's talk about Ebenezer Scrooge. All right, everyone's got a Scrooge in their family, right? We, we got someone, maybe a friend or a family member, maybe a boss. And, and we know the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. And, and this guy was not a nice guy, right? He was mean. He, he was kind of a jerk in a lot of ways. He was abrasive. He was greedy. He was, he was angry. And the story goes that he is visited by these three ghosts, these three spirits, because he has just wreaked havoc on, on everyone and anyone who's close to him. He is just a bad guy. And, and so in this story, with his final visitation, in his arrogance, his, he's stiff-necked, he's angry, in his final uh, visitation, Scrooge is awakened to his horrible ways. He's awakened that, man, the path I'm on, the trajectory I'm on, it is not good. This is not the way that I'm supposed to live. And so with that, he confessed and he asked the Spirit for, for mercy. He asked that Spirit to be merciful. But, but more than a confession and, and a cry, what happened with him was, was heart change. And he began to display actions that were consistent with his confession. His outward actions demonstrated the inward change occurring in his heart. He humbled himself in repentance. And then there was a lifestyle change that was a result of what happened in his heart. You know, humbling oneself does not mean that we that we need to undergo a certain set of prayers like a, like a Hail Mary or, or paying fees like a penance. We can't earn God's acceptance. We can't pay or do anything in our nature. Confession and repentance, it means in its simplest forms to acknowledge and to turn. To own it and have lifestyle change. And the, the rewarding thing about our faith is we don't just need to work harder, try harder. God says, I'm going to be the one who transforms you. I'll be the one who works in your heart. And we see it littered over scripture. Create in me a clean heart. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Where? With the source, with, with God. You know, God is the source. If, if we want to change our heart, which in turn changes our actions, which changes a Scrooge-like lifestyle, it, it's God. It, it's not more church. It, it's not more prayer. It's God who will in turn make these desires and make these characteristics and disciplines a part of our daily lives and rhythms. Humbling yourself that's a hard thing. I don't know about you, but just like most humans, I don't always like being wrong. <laughs> I don't like admitting fault. I, I don't like showing weakness. But in those weaknesses, those are the times where God tends to work in the most 
mighty ways. So if we will get ready to receive Jesus and if we will listen to his message and humble ourselves, what will we find? We will find great joy and we will find good news. This is exactly the posture of the heart that Jesus wants. You know, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 66 in verse 2. And this is what he said. But this is the one whom I will look. He, is, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my words. You know, God is positively set towards the person who's, who's teachable, who's willing to listen. And that person he forgives, he loves, he adopts, and he smiles. So the first coming of King Jesus is fully human. This was necessary, <laughs> completely necessary to, to rescue us from our sins. And yet we're called to that humble posture of acknowledging and, and turning. And so I think about Christmas morning and, and here we are, and I'm again so glad we're here. And as we celebrate this day, and as we recognize what it's about, and yeah, gifts are great. <laughs> I like gifts. I, I got hairspray in my stocking, okay? So... If you wonder how this works, now you know the key. A lot of hairspray. <laughs> uh, we, we love getting out. I'm a practical person, so that was, that was great. We, we love those things, but we must never forget at the heart of this day, it's, it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. Him coming into this world coming in this world for us. As for those of us who celebrated yesterday, Christmas Eve, and, and some of us who are going to go to lunch and dinner with family and friends, if, if there is a moment where you guys are eating, opening presents, and, and, and you know there hasn't been a moment of recognition, I want to challenge people in this room to stop and bring people back to why this season is. To speak up and say, hey, this is why we celebrate today. This is the reason. As a, as a child growing up, you know, my dad was a pastor. And uh, my dad is a very soft-spoken person. I'm a little loud. He, he's a little more quiet. <laughs> uh, but he's one of those men who, who leads through action. And one thing I always loved on, on Christmas Day is he would start with Scripture. And he would always start before we opened a present, anything, before any piece of wrapper was ripped off of a present, he would give glory to God. And my prayer this morning is that let's give God the glory for sending Christ to save us and rescue us from our sins. And for that... He's worth all the glory. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect 
to introduce yourself today.